Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 10, Episode 199. Can you believe it? Title, Learning to Profit in Prosperity. That's profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. Learning to Profit in Prosperity. Subtitle, Renewing Your Covenant with God. Has it ever crossed your mind that there are many occasions in our experience when we may very rightly and with benefit renew our covenant with God? Bibleproject.com defines covenant as a chosen relationship or partnership in which two parties make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. They're often accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. Covenants contain defined obligations and commitments but differ from a contract in that they are relational and personal, like a marriage, for example. In love, a husband and wife choose to enter into a formal relationship, binding themselves to one another in lifelong faithfulness and devotion. A great historical account that provides us with a good background on what a renewed consecration to the Lord looks like is found in Nehemiah chapter 9, where the Israelites gathered together, fasted, showed public repentance by and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. They separated themselves, confessed their sins, read from the Bible, and spent time in praising and worshiping the Lord. In verse 5, they cried aloud, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. They then remembered all the promises God had kept, and the good things he had done for them, like choosing Abraham, delivering them from the Pharaoh, his leadership in the wilderness, the giving of his law through Moses, his forgiveness, grace, compassion, love, and his spirit, even when they were stiff-necked and rebellious toward him. In verse 33, they declared, In all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully, while we acted wickedly. They concluded the time of renewal with the statement in verse 38. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. Friend, they recorded a list of the leaders who signed the covenant and listed specifically the renewed commitments the Israelites made to God. Here are some natural junctions in life where personal renewal to God is a good fit. After recovery from sickness, when, like Hezekiah, we have had a new term of years added to our life. In 2 Kings 20, it says, starting in verse 1, it says, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. Another natural junction of life that should provoke renewal is after any deliverance from trouble. 
Out of gratitude to God for His mercy, we should rejoice and visit the foot of the cross and renew our consecration. Especially let us do this after any sin which has grieved the Holy Spirit or brought dishonor upon the cause of God. Let us then look to that blood which can make us whiter than snow and again offer ourselves to the Lord. But did you know we should not only let our troubles confirm our dedication to God, but our prosperity should do the same. If we ever meet with occasions which deserve to be called crowning mercies of God in our lives, then surely if He has crowned us with tangible, rich, earthly blessings, we also ought to crown our God with exuberant, tangible demonstrations that shine the spotlight on Him. If we would learn to profit by our prosperity, we should not need so much adversity. I want to repeat that phrase. It's pivotal. If we would learn to profit by our prosperity, we should not need so much adversity. This is a deep thought which will take some time for your brain to absorb. If we could gather all the good from a clear act of God's grace toward us, we should not often find ourselves under the pain of God's chastisement of discipline. If we really know Him, it should be natural that His rich blessings that flow to us should provoke better things and not worse things. Have we lately received some blessing which we little expected? Has the Lord put our feet in a large room? Isn't that a great word picture? Has the Lord put our feet in a large room? Can we sing of the mercies that He has given us multiplied? Then this is the day to put our hand upon the horns of the altar and say, Bind me here, my God, bind me here with cords, even forever. And as much as we need the fulfillment of new promises from God, Let's offer renewed prayers that our old vows may not be dishonored. It is enlightening to realize that our improper response to the prosperity of God in our lives can result in loss and not profit. Again, it is enlightening to realize that our improper response to the prosperity of God in our lives can result in loss and not profit. This reminds me of a specific person who enjoyed profound success and achievement more than any person I'm familiar with in their particular industry. They had great success over multiple decades, yet toward the end of their life, they referred to themselves as one who was in the ditch by the side of the highway of life. How does someone of such talent, giftedness, and decades of success wind up feeling like that at the end of their life? I think it's a classic example of not learning to profit from their God-given prosperity. They didn't publicly learn to profit from their prosperity by really giving God the glory. Their memorial service was a celebration of their life and achievements, but there was nothing mentioned about God in their life. No glory to God. How sad. This stands as a sobering reminder to each of us that it may be harder to renew our covenant with God when His blessings are really overflowing us than when we have blown it personally. Isn't that ironic? You would think it would be the other way around. A pivotal passage in the New Testament accentuates the point. For me, it's a reoccurring passage of Scripture that I'm drawn to often. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, the story of the ten lepers who were healed. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he, that means Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, 
returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Have we lately received some blessing which we little expected? Has the Lord put our feet in a large room? Can we sing of his mercies multiplied? Then this is the day to put our hand upon the horns of the altar and say, Bind me here, God. Bind me here with cords even forever. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.